This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port in of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. What is up, everyone? This is Adam Frommel here with Dan Favale and Andy Bailey bringing you another episode of The Hardwood Knocks. Today we're going to be talking about the Denver Nuggets, who had one of the more interesting seasons last year, and I don't really mean that as a positive. They went into the season with pretty high expectations. I remember at Media Day, a couple players told me that they were actually hoping to get to the second round of the playoffs. That didn't happen. They only won 30 games, finished 12th in the West. Brian Shaw was fired midway through the year. Now Ty Lawson is gone. It's a young team. There are a lot of international guys, probably a lot of guys with some high upside, but this team still feels like it lacks an identity. They weren't really sure who they wanted to be last year. I'm not sure they know exactly who they want to be going forward. So we'll lead with that. And Andy, if you got to pick the identity of the Nuggets going forward, what would it be? Well, I think, I think first. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> In fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $2084 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Stuff we have to kind of um, talk about who the coach is now because coach generally initiates uh, the identity of a team. And Mike Malone, um, he's always been sort of a defense-first guy. I don't know if he really has the personnel for it this season, um, but I think that will be sort of what he preaches from day one. Um, what that means for certain mainstays in Denver uh, remains to be seen. Kenneth Fareed is, is maybe the most notable name there at this point. Uh, you got to go. Maybe Gallinari. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know 
I don't know where those guys stand under this new regime. We'll see if, if Malone can figure out how to use them. But I, I think if I had to tentatively state an identity right now, it would be a, a defense first team just because that's what Malone's going to, to try to install. I don't want to say this, so I'm almost not going to, but I wonder if this team can have an identity. Like I almost want to loop them into that Brooklyn Nets conversation. They're not going to be as boring because there are guys on this team that you can evaluate and there are fun established vets like Gallo and Chandler when they're healthy. But Mike Malone is known not only as a defensive specialist, but he's he's also a half-court guy on the offensive end. That's the way the Sacramento Kings played last year before they canned him. And they canned him because he wouldn't get out on the break and run. And we saw that the Nuggets wanted to run last season after they got rid of Brian Shaw. Running is what they did under Carl. Running is how they were able to make this star-by-committee thing work. And their roster is still built for that in ways, especially with uh, Moutier running point now. It was the same with Lawson. So unless Mike Malone is is willing to adjust this time around, like he apparently wasn't in Sacramento, they're not going to be a defensive team most likely. Maybe they'll be better, but are they even going to be in the top half of the league? Probably not. So I don't know what their identity is going to be. No, I think it's important. I mean, like Andy said, catering to what your coach wants is always going to be an important part of the game. But, you know, Denver has the inherent advantage of being at altitude. They get to practice there. So it, it does make sense that for them to always be a fast-paced team. And to his credit, Malone, as soon as he was hired, started talking about how he doesn't believe that playing good defense and running at a quick tempo and playing transition basketball are mutually exclusive concepts. And they don't have to be. Now, granted, it's easier to preach that than it is to actually practice it. So it remains to be seen if he's going to be able to adjust from his time in Sacramento, where he really was a half-court specialist on offense. But, I mean, like Dan said, you know, this, this roster does have the pieces set up to run a lot unless they get rid of Fareed in which case that'll change but you know a a lot of the guys there are at their best in transition and are at their weakest in the half court set so I think it's going to be important for Malone in this new location to to realize that usually the most successful teams are the one where the coach builds his system around the pieces that he has at at his disposal and not make the pieces try and fit in with what he wants to do there's like a give and take to this because everything you said was correct and I think we need to note that Malone was sort of doing that in Sacramento because if you're going to build your offensive attack around DeMarcus Cousins you shouldn't be trying to cherry pick and you shouldn't be trying to be in the top five of pace but the Nuggets are different because you're not going to build your offense around Yosef Nurkic or, or even any of the bigs that you have on the roster right now. So you're going to build it around those wings. Emmanuel Moutier is going to have the green light, and he's going to want to run. So maybe Malone can adjust to that, and maybe he's a good enough coach to where he's going to adapt his personnel. The thing that concerns me is his entire background is like half court. Even when he was with the Warriors, he was there when that style was obviously not ground and pound, but it was slower and I do wonder if he's able to coach a team like that because we saw Brian Shaw, who came from a similar background in Indiana and, and with the Lakers, when, even when he was a player, he flamed out in Denver. So, so that concerns me. Hopefully Malone's the better coach. I think he's shown that he is, but I do think that's something you need to think about. I know Andy wants to say something, but I just want to butt in real fast and say that I, I would almost fire a coach at the halfway point, no matter what, if a Denver team wasn't in the top five in pace. You know, Top five? Have- Top five, maybe top ten. You know, you have to be up there. If, if you aren't maximizing the biggest advantage you have at your disposal, and not many other teams outside of the Jazz have, then that's a problem. 
Yeah, I was just thinking I, w- I was going to echo what you said earlier, actually, Adam, that defense and pace don't have to be um, mutually exclusive. You look at the Warriors, been one of the fastest teams in the league last season, but they were also one of the best defensive teams. Uh, I think they were the best by the end of they the were. season, right? They were. Um, <clears throat> so I, I, I think you can accomplish both of those things, and I would agree that if you have, there are very few teams in the league that have a natural inherent advantage built in just because of where they play. Um, the Nuggets and the Jazz are two of those teams with the altitude that they have. And, and I think it's insane to, to try not to take advantage of that. And that's one of the things that drove me crazy about the Brian Shaw era um, is you have this natural advantage. You have players who are predisposed to play fast and get out in transition. Um, so you have to be able to adapt to some point. If you're going to coach the Nuggets, you can preach defense all you want, but you can still run too. I think we have to throw the Celtics into that mix of teams with an inherent advantage at home just because of the parquet floors. You know, back in the day, Red Auerbach used to turn off the AC in the opponent's locker room just so he would have like an extra advantage. I mean, the best coaches use every tool that's at their disposal. Altitude. Yeah. My question then is this. Is Malone one of those coaches? Because, again, I could echo everything you guys are saying and we could run in circles with it. The Nuggets should run. They need to run. And I think the Warriors, more than any team in recent memory, have proved that defense and pace aren't mutually exclusive. But when you're a defensive-minded coach – Slowing down the pace is a way to sort of bring up a subpart defense where you're hoping you can limit the number of possessions. And I think if you look at the Nuggets personnel, they're not in a position to really be a good defensive team in general. Will Malone try and you know just revert back to his old ways, so to speak, just to try and bring them up on the defensive end because that's how he's used to winning, how he likes to coach? Or can he really accept, I mean, one, that not only is this a rebuilding team, but that he has to run re- almost regardless of what it does to their defensive fortitude or lack thereof. I think the problem there is that we don't necessarily need for this Nuggets team to win right away. And if you are trying to cater your system to getting a couple extra boosts on defense by slowing down the pace and not maximizing the talent on the roster, just to squeeze out maybe one or two more wins and get to, what, like 28-29 this season, then that's not exactly what you want to do during a rebuild. And I don't, I don't think it's a problem if maybe he initially slows it down just a little bit because when you install a new scheme offensively or defensively, it can take time for players to grasp all the concepts, um, what kind of rotations you want to run, what kind of switches you want to run, and things like that. And it may take a couple of months of regular season basketball before the Nuggets players are comfortable with the new scheme. Um, and maybe when he gets to a point where he kind of thinks, okay, we're comfortable with this now, let's start to supplement it with either, you know, running more or doing, you know, a little tweak on offense or something like that. Um, it doesn't have to happen all at once. And, and I know in the NBA, that's kind of scary because coaches get fired all the time. Um, very high turnover rate in that profession. Um, but I think with a brand new coach in this situation, you've got to give him at least a couple of months of leeway. I definitely agree, but I think I also agree to what Adam was saying. If you're at the all-star break or something and the Nuggets at least aren't trending in that direction of, of running really fast and being better than at least you know 
75% of the league in possessions used per 48 minutes, that's where you have to start questioning Malone's fit for this team. I, I know, again, that they're rebuilding, but I think that's one of the things where you need a semi-immediate return to know that you're going in the right direction. But aside from that, and I guess because we've spent a lot of time on this, and I'm sure Adam will interject, what else are we looking for from this team because they're not trying to win now? My, my I'm just immediately on Emmanuel. Uh, let me go to Adam because he's like waving his hands right Well, I, I think it's also important to note that the Nuggets are one of the franchises where and I hesitate to say this, where winning isn't really the only concern. You know, Josh Kroenke wants to put fans in the seats. He wants a really entertaining brand of basketball. He wants to play really fast. And I think that there's a, a certain element of that that has to transfer to the coaching staff, where if it's going to be a slight on-court advantage but really detract from the fan experience, that it might not necessarily be a good idea for this franchise. That's yeah, fair. I, I can, that's fair. I, th- I think that's definitely fair. Um, what else though are we, are you, if you're, so let me just pose the question to you. I'll go first to Bailey. What else are you looking to see in this team to at least show that it's going in the right direction? Because while you're not looking for much, I do think it's worth noting that they have invested have pretty heavily in three of these guys. You're looking at Gallinari, Fareed and Chandler. You can even argue they're really high on Moutier because they did get rid of Lawson. I know he had some issues, but when he was playing, he was probably a top 12 point guard, which you know is, is pretty good. He was the closest thing to a star they had. So what are you looking for from the Nuggets next season to know that they're headed in the right direction? I want to see, and maybe this is asking a lot of Malone because when he coached the Kings, he, he played big and he started DeMarcus Cousins and Jason Thompson. Um, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, I, I would love to see the Nuggets play a lot of Gallinari at the four and a lot of Wilson Chandler at the three um, because I think that's just that's so much more of a modern scheme and you can spread things out with, with Gallinari taking on opposing fours with Wilson Chandler on the wing. I don't That kind of makes the backcourt a little foggy um, because I don't think they're very deep there. Their only point guards right now are really Moutier, um, Jameer Nelson, and I think Eric Green, you could say, is a point guard. So you know, maybe, Randy Foy all day. <laughs> well, I, I do like Randy Foy, and I think in that situation, I would probably go Moutier, Foy, Chandler, uh, Gallo, and then Nurkic. Um, but the, tell me if I'm crazy on this, but one thought that I had today was maybe you start or maybe not necessarily start, but you have lineups with Chandler and Gallo at the three and four, and then Nelson and Moutier in the backcourt, um, where Moutier could still handle the ball for most of the offense, but you have Nelson as another guy who spaces the floor. He's a great spot-up shooter still. Um, I I think that could be a really fun and exciting offense, especially in Denver, like we said. Think about Jameer Nelson trailing some of those breaks for threes, Gallo trailing some of those breaks. I don't know who you have at the five. Nurkic doesn't run the floor terribly well, but he moves pretty big or pretty well for a guy his size. Um, Got nice gait. <laughs> anyway, this is a lot of rambling, but I think you guys see where I'm going. I like this team's ability to play slightly smaller and play fast and, and be able to do some fun things that way. Yeah, I mean, to answer Dan's original question about what we want to see from this team, you know, it's, it's easy to say that it's all about Moutier. You know, the top draft pick looked great in summer league, the future of the franchise, ideally the franchise player. But in general, I think it's just an evaluation season for everybody because there are a lot of intriguing parts. I mean, if we focus on Moutier, we're missing out on on a bunch. You know, Gallinari coming off those two ACL surgeries the last couple years, 
took, took a while to get going, but he could very well be a keeper. He looked great at the end of the season, had a 40-point game, had a 47-point game in double overtime against the Magic towards the end of the year. Uh, they've got Nikola Jokic coming in uh, after playing overseas for the last or for his entire career, I guess. Um, and he's a versatile big man who can do pretty much anything you want in small doses. Uh, Nurkic has looked great in, in minutes. You've got to see if Fareed's a keeper. So I think there's going to be a lot of experimenting with lineups and a lot of just seeing what they have. And, and this team can afford to take, a, to, to take a year to do that because, like we said at the very beginning, they have to establish an identity. I mean, if they don't do that, then it's a lost season. Yeah, I think the difficult part, though, is throughout this experimenting, again, a, a lot of the rebuilding teams that dabble in all these different types of lineups or play styles, you immediately go to the Boston Celtics, they don't have some of these veterans like the Nuggets do. They're, they're sort of caught in this in-between, and I love what Andy was saying about the potential for lineups. That offense would be incredibly fun, and I think you can argue that Jameer Nelson and Randy Foy can be almost interchangeable at, in that backcourt partnership with Emmanuel Moutier. They do a lot of the same things. But how do you sell Kenneth Reed on coming off the bench or less playing time? And that'll come back to Adam's point of view. You have to figure out what, you're, what you have in this team. But I think the Nuggets need to do that quicker than most rebuilding squads because they've invested a good chunk of money in some of these guys. And I'm immediately looking at Kenneth Reed next season. I want to see Moutier, see if he shows hints of being a franchise player because the Nuggets haven't really had one since Melo. And we're going on a half decade without them having a franchise player now. But I want to see what the future has for Kenneth Reed and whether he fits into this team's long-term plan. I don't know what kind of salesman um, Mike Malone is, but he would probably have to be pretty good to convince Fareed um, to embrace a bench role. But me personally, I, I like it for him. Um, a lot of teams like energy off the bench, and, and that generally – means scoring so a guy like Jamal Crawford or Manu Ginobili or something but I don't think there's any reason that you can't say that energy off the bench could be rebounding and running the floor like he's still a good change of pace um, type of a guy I don't think you can throw him out there for a ton of minutes just because I, I, I don't know what that does to your defense but I think he's a great change of pace guy off the bench and I think both of you have some uh, some rebuttals to that so I'll kick it to Adam first. Now, I think it's important to note that Farid has never been a me-first player, but I don't think he would be particularly amenable to coming off the bench just because he's pretty driven by, by individual goals. You know, the way, the way that, uh, that Shaw got him to, to be more committed to defensive rebounding, he told him that if you get the defensive board, you can lead the fast break. You know, you can be the de facto point guard for that possession. And he really needed to be kept driven by things like that. So I think it would be a really, really tough sell, even if he would be an energy guy, to be able to bring him off the bench. I think you could try to convince him, though, that if you're playing for the second unit, then, then you have more responsibility in general. So like, if you get that offensive rebound and take off, yeah, I mean, that second unit is your team. You're the guy. I think you could, but it's just there's, there's less prestige, even though there yeah, shouldn't be. Yeah, for sure. There shouldn't be. But it's also important to note that at the end of last season, he was pretty good. You know, after the All-Star break, he averaged 14.3 and 9.2, and he shot over 50% from the field. You know, those are the kind of numbers that we want to see from him, maybe a little bit more on the offensive end, and I think he's capable of it. But it's not like he was a problem for them at the end of the season. Dan, go ahead. I, I don't think you can sell him on coming off the bench just because at the stage of his career, he's only 25 years old. He'll turn 26. This is his prime. The other thing, though, is 
where does he fit in this team in their search for an identity? He's maybe if you can run the floor, but he's sort of like that Tristan Thompson guy. He can't play center because he can't defend. You're not going to get anything from him in the half court. And if you bring him off the bench, your second unit isn't really built to run as well as your first unit will be built to run. So you're going to have to go to the half court more or rely on your defense, which he isn't set for. And while Adam pointed out that he improved last year toward the end of the season, I can't help but wondering if he's peaked. Because even with Shaw motivating him on the defensive glass, so to speak, his defensive rebounding percentage actually declined under Brian Shaw. So there's just so many question marks with him. And even if all breaks right, what is he? He's he's not a guy who can shoot. I mean, he barely shot outside of three feet last season. He rarely shot outside of 10 feet. And you need your power forwards to be able to make those shots, and, and he can. I don't he like. He did him. make a corner three pointer though. He actually <laughs> got it. He got it blocked by Dwight Howard. Got his own rebound and made the putback. A putback corner go. three. Yeah. Oh. I mean that that's interesting, but again, <laughs> where does he? If did, you're looking to find an identity, Fareed's like that identity list player, that tweener. He is. He's like Tristan Thompson. That's that's who well, he is to me. I think he has an identity, but it just doesn't work with the Nuggets. Because if, if you're going to have him there, you somehow have to find a rim-protecting center who can run the court. And shoot. And shoot. And those are pretty darn hard to come by. Like they those, those Porzingis. do not Porzingis. Okay, Yeah, Porzingis, Carl Anthony Towns. Al Horford's going to be a free agent, Adam. I don't think Al Horford has much interest in coming to Denver. I could be wrong. I could be oh, well, you could, could be the Hawks fan it. talking. We, we do, unfortunately, have to move this along. So I want to get your guys' thoughts uh, on where what do you think is going to happen for this team next season. But I also want to know if everything breaks right or breaks better than we expect for them, what is their ceiling in terms of wins and what is their ceiling in the West? I would say ceiling in terms of wins is probably 35 at the very most. Well, um I don't know if that's a good woe or a bad woe. Where I would probably guess that they'll be is right around 30, just like where they were last season. You're an optimistic Oscar. You got that. <laughs> I, I would agree that their more realistic prediction is probably around 30. I'll, I'll take the under on that, though. I do think if everything breaks right, they might even be able to barely exceed 35, just because there is a lot of... There, there are good pieces, and they're so young that if they... I mean, we're saying everything breaks right. Like, if... If Nurkic suddenly becomes the player they want him to be, if Moutier is the clear-cut rookie of the year, if Gallinari keeps playing like he did at the end of the season, then they do have a lot of talented pieces. Yeah, I mean, if, if Nurkic plays like the next Cousins and Moutier has like a Damian Lillard... I mean, Lillard-esque hell, it's 82-0. and 0. That's, the, that's the true upside here, right? Yeah, um, I, I'm going to take the under on 30 wins. If everything breaks right, I think they'll hit last year's total, which was 31. Maybe they'll get to 32. There's no way in my mind I see this team getting 35 they would honestly need Nurkic to be the next DeMarcus Cousins and Moutier to play like the rookie version of Damian Lillard for it to happen I'm interested to see though where they end up on either side of the floor if we're going to sort of break this in halves they're probably going to be I think in the bottom seven of defensive efficiency again but their offense I think there could be some room for improvement this season I think they were 19th last year maybe they could get in the top half because if they run you know that could help generate some points that's sort of what I'm expecting for them, or hoping. I mean, doesn't it essentially come down to how well Moutier plays? You know, like that's really we, yeah. The only real change is Lawson for Moutier, right? Exactly, and Jokic coming in could be a nice boost. <laughs> Gallinari being healthy the whole year, ideally. 
But I mean, it's it's it is all about Moutier as as far as how well they're going to play. And based on his playing style, he's going to experience a lot of the pitfalls that that typically plague first year point guards. You know, he's not going to shoot well from the field. He's going to have a lot of turnovers because he likes to try and squeeze the ball into tight spaces. But he does show really good command when he's running pick and rolls. He he does manage to control an offense, which I think is pretty rare for first year players. So that does offer some hope. Um, I don't know if you guys can smell that, but bacon, bacon, where's the bacon? I smell bacon, bacon, bacon. Gotta be bacon. Only one thing smells like bacon. That's bacon. So what's burning my bacon today is people on Twitter who have nothing better the better to do than to just spew vitriol all over their keyboard, and the spark here was uh, was USA Today writer Jeff Zilgit. He had to undergo surgery to remove a tumor in his colon. And LeBron James, in a really classy move, tweeted out, wishing Jay-Z, one of the good dudes I work with, a safe and healthy recovery from surgery. See you at Camp Champ. Great message. You know, LeBron's a classy guy. That was awesome. The problem here is that anonymous people on Twitter decide to respond to him with all sorts of ridiculous things. You know, some of the first replies were, Kyrie Irving's better than you. There were a lot of words that I can't say during this podcast because they are not age-appropriate. Uh, and, you know, death threats, telling him to kill himself, you know, all that sort of stuff. And why do we need to see that? Like, what, what are you hoping to gain from that? You know, this is a guy who's going out of his way to wish one of the people that he works with, essentially, a healthy recovery from a terrible procedure that he had to have done. And, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't necessary. If LeBron never did that, no one's going to know the difference. But he did, and he has to deal with all of this from it. So, you know... I don't understand why it's so hard to just not do it. It's as simple as that. It also, it probably in the end deters him from doing things like this in the future because why does he need that crap? I think that's a very appropriate um, burning your bacon, Adam. I feel like Twitter is sort of like the post-apocalyptic internet. It's just like crazy out there. I mean, we love Twitter. We get a lot of information from it. It's a fun way to interact with the people who read our stuff and who listen to this and want to answer our trivia questions and whatnot. But it's a terrible place. Yeah. People, there, there are some genuine crazies on there. People suck. I think it could be summed up that <laughs> Yeah, I mean, essentially that could have been a two-word burning my bacon. <laughs> well, on that note, I would like to plug each one of us on Twitter. <laughs> You're so sweet. <laughs> we have Adam. At Frommel09, F-R-O-M-A-L-0-9. We have Dan. He's at Dan Favale, uh, F-A-V-A-L-E. And I am at Andrew D. Bailey. And you can also hit all three of us up simultaneously, if you want to be efficient, at Hardwood Knox. Um, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Hardwood Knox podcast. Um, if you have any other you know, questions, comments about the Denver Nuggets, feel free to hit either any of those things up on Twitter. And uh, shout out Bino Udry. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port in of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, click or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.